John chapter 16, if you'll find that place in your Bible, John chapter 16, beginning in verse 16. Here at Grace Community Church, we have been in a mini-series within a larger series of the Gospel of John. Now, by way of review, the Gospel of John is uh, the, the disciple, the apostle John's version of the ministry of Jesus. He wrote about the signs, the teaching, the cross, and the resurrection of Jesus. And the purpose that John wrote, the Gospel of John, is found in John chapter 20. He said, I wrote these signs down. I could have written many more, but I wrote these so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. And what we've been doing now for, you know, we've been at this a year in the Gospel of John long series is just walking our way through and then a few weeks ago we came to chapter 14 chapters 14 15 and 16 we entered into a section that's called the farewell discourse because it is Jesus last extended teaching before the cross and the resurrection and the farewell discourse is to the disciples the 11 Judas is gone the eleven are right there with Jesus. Later, these disciples are going to be called apostles. That might confuse you. Are they disciples or apostles? They're both. They we're called disciples at first, and they were called apostles. And Jesus is speaking this to, to them, and John, the writer, is one of them in that setting there. And that's why he knows to write this stuff down. The purpose of this section in the farewell discourse is to prepare these disciples, apostles, to prepare them for Jesus' departure. But Jesus is also preparing his church because he said these things for all the people who would believe in Jesus through the testimony of these disciples. He's getting his church ready for the time he's gone. And then he left. He departed by way of the crucifixion, the cross. But then he was raised from the dead. But then he ascended into heaven. And in this farewell discourse what we see at the beginning is that when they heard this the disciples were troubled they were disturbed their Lord is now gone and Jesus wrote to them to settle them down or, or, or spoke to them to settle them down he's settling them and he is preparing them that's the effect of these three chapters of John settling us let not your heart be troubled preparing us this is what life is going to be like while I'm gone. We're in the middle, or really at the end, of this mini-series within John called the Farewell Discourse. We've heard six messages so far. Today will be the final and the seventh. But here they are. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to return, and we're going to be together. He said, love me. And keep my commandments. This is how you live. You love me. And then he said, love one another. This is how people are going to know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. He said, I'm going to go, but when I go, I'm going to give you a helper. The Holy Spirit, who's going to be with you, and he's going to be in you. And through the Spirit, Jesus said, abide in me, remain in me. Live in me, and I in you, and you'll bear fruit, and that will glorify God. 
And he said, but you're going to have tribulation. You're going to suffer. But take heart. There he is again. Take heart. Because I've overcome the world. And you're in me. And I'm in you. That means you'll overcome with me. He's encouraging. And then we come to the seventh and last message we're going to pull out of this farewell discourse. And it's a simple one. And it's this. Ask. One word. Ask. Let's stand and read God's word together. John 16, beginning in verse 16. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Some of the disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us, A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean? by a little while we do not know what he is talking about Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him so I said to them is this what you are asking yourselves what I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me and again a little while and you will see me truly truly I say to you you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice you will be sorrowful but your sorrow will turn into joy when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been brought into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name. And I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from the Father. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. This is God's word. You may be seated. This is a passage about prayer. I want to go ahead and give you the main point. The day is coming, Jesus said, and that day is here when the church will ask of the Father in the name of Jesus. And those requests will be granted for the purpose of bearing fruit and glorifying God. It's a passage about prayer. After these words, John chapter 17, Jesus is going to pray for his disciples who are in the world. And what's interesting is that though the passage is clearly about prayer, the word we read is the word ask. Jesus said to ask. In fact, there's only one verse in the Gospel of John that uses the word prayer. That's John 17. Every other time, Jesus says ask. The passage is about Asking. 
Notice that he did not say, don't ask. He didn't say, stop asking. He didn't say, you're asking too much. He didn't say, how dare you ask? He said, ask and you will receive. So what I hope today is that we leave believing in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, with settled hearts, because we believe in the message that he's given us here, and with a new resolve to ask. I'm praying and hoping that we leave today with a new resolve to ask. Let's hear what Jesus has to say about asking. Three things. He's going to tell us it's time to ask. There's a phrase he uses, in that day. Second, he's going to tell us the way to ask. There's another phrase he uses, in my name. And third, he's going to tell us the reasons to ask, what we ask for, fruit, glory, and joy. First, he says there's a time to ask, and the time to ask is right now. Jesus refers to it in that day. Verse 23, he says, in that day. Verse 26, in that day you will ask in my name. What is that day? He said in verse 20, it's a day of weeping, of lament, of sorrow. This is the day of where the disciples are mourning the loss of Jesus. He says, though, it's a day of rejoicing for the world. It's the day of the cross, which is the next day in the timeline of John. When Jesus says this, he's thinking about the very next day, which is the day of his crucifixion. For the disciples, it's the loss of their Lord. For the world, they've gotten rid of this man who Jesus says hated him in the first place. But look what Jesus said, verse 20. Your sorrow will be turned to joy. The disciples are going to lament. They're going to mourn. They're going to fear. They're trembling. They're troubled, he says. But it's going to be turned to joy. Verse 22, this is the day when Jesus will see them again. The day of rejoicing is the day when Jesus will see them again and they will see him. This is the day of the resurrection. Don't think when we use the word day that Jesus is talking about just merely 24-hour periods of time. He's talking about an age. He's talking about a time. It's a time when there's death on the cross and three days later there's the resurrection. But he's talking about the time beyond the resurrection because there's another day of ascension when Jesus after 40 days on the earth after the resurrection ascended into heaven and then he's talking about the day the time in which he gave the Holy Spirit to the church Jesus is talking when he says in that day he's talking about the time of cross resurrection ascension and the gift of the Holy Spirit this is what we call the age of the spirit that time is now the sorrow of the cross is turned into the joy of the resurrection and the giving of the Holy Spirit, and that is now. Verse 21, Jesus uses an illustration. Jesus is the only man who is allowed to give an illustration about a woman giving birth, right? <laughs> he says, like a woman's sorrow 
Over the pain of her childbirth gives way to her joy because a human being has been brought into the world. So the disciples' sorrow over Jesus' departure gives way to their joy. Their joy over Him because He is with them in this day of the Spirit. That day is recorded. You can read about it. In John 20, there's a resurrection. Acts chapter 1, there's an ascension. Acts chapter 2, there's the giving of the Spirit. That day started then. The age of the Spirit started then. And the history of the gospel, the history of God's redemptive activity, the history of the church is that that day continues to now, into now and will continue until he comes again. In that day, Jesus says, verse 23, in that day, the disciples are not going to ask Jesus questions like they did in verse 19. In verse 19, they're saying, what are you talking about? A little while we won't see you, a little while we will see you. Cross, resurrection, we're not sure what's going on. They'll know. In that day, they will know what the cross is about. Why? Because Jesus will tell them. He told them after the resurrection what it was all about. They will know of the resurrection. They will know of the Spirit. So in that day, verse 23, what's going to happen in this day, the time now, this is the time, the time of the Spirit, where we ask of the Father in His name. Verse 26, we ask in His name. Here's the point. We live in a day, we live in an age, we live in the time of God's redemptive plan when the helper of the Holy Spirit is with us. In the Christian, in the church, and this is the day when we pray. It's that simple. Everything Jesus said is summarized right there. This is the age, this is the day when the followers of Jesus Christ ask. This is the day when prayer can be seen as a partnership with God. Now, that's a strange phrase, I know, and I use it a bit hesitantly, but I use it. This is the day when prayer asking is seen as a partnership with God. This is what I mean by that. God has ordained. That means God has set things up to work a certain way in this world. God has ordained things so that he answers the asking prayers of his people as the way in which he works in this world. God has ordained that. Now, people ask all the time about the mystery of prayer. How's this work? I don't usually try to explain the mystery. What I think is best to do is simply affirm what God said. He said, ask, and he will answer. So I think it's best, and try to, try to delve into the mystery of how this works, I think it's best just to say, God ordained it so that he would answer the asking prayers of his people in order to do his work in this world. That's what I mean by partnering with God. God is sovereign over everything. He is sovereign in His work. And God has chosen, ordained to include His church 
as his church prays in order to do his work. He has ordained other things to do his work. He has ordained the preaching of the gospel. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. He has ordained disciple-making, go make disciples of all the nations. He has ordained Christians in the world as salt and light by which he gets glory. You're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. He has ordained Christians loving one another. By this, they'll know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So God has chosen ways to work in the world. And here we read that God has chosen asking as a way to work in the world. The Apostle Paul was very clear about this. Here is Paul, the apostle that we, you know, when we think of an apostle, it's Paul. He's the guy out there pushing to the limits, going to the edges with the gospel. And this is what he said to the church at Rome. Strive together with me in prayer to God. Why? Because he knew that God was going to answer those prayers. And he knew that God had ordained that the Roman church should pray for him so that God would answer those prayers so that Paul would do his ministry and God would get the glory. It's the way God set it up. He said it again to the Corinthian church. He said, help us in your prayers. You're helping the apostle, to the, is what he's saying to them. You're helping the apostles do their work when you pray. He said of Epaphras in Colossians, that, that Epaphras was struggling on behalf of the Colossian Christians for their faith. So Christian congregation, let's enter into the ordained way in which God works by asking. So my momentary lapse of faith in prayer this morning was a calling for me to repent and turn back to God and believe his promise and enter into a partnership with God on behalf of the small persecuted church in Morocco. I believe that. Now, I've doubted this morning, but I'm, 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 I'm back in faith right now. I believe that. Ask. This is the time. Now, much praise, much thanksgiving, much confession, much discernment about what to ask for, all that's going to lead up to asking. I don't say only ask. Worship, confess, discern. But Jesus here says, ask. That's what we do. That's the time in this day. Second thing Jesus says is the way to ask in my name. Verse 23. In that day, we've already established what day that is. It's the day of now, the day of the Spirit in the, in the, in the world, in the, in the Christian, in the church. You will ask me nothing. We've already said that the disciples are no longer going to ask Jesus, you know, what are you talking about in a little while and what are all these mysteries about? They're going to know. He's going to teach them. And then he says, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, that is a, <laughs> that's a bold, bold statement. 
and people, pastors often joke, you know, that when they get to those tough things in the Bible, they're going to kind of run and jump over them. No one would ever say, well, that's pretty clear. That's not tough. You can understand that. I mean, whatever you ask in Jesus' name, the Father's going to give you. Well, what's, what's, what's so tough about that? Here's what's so tough about it. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. That's what's so tough about that. That's a bold, bold statement. He says, we go to the Father. Whatever you ask the Father, this is what Jesus is calling us to do. The way we do it is we go to the Father. We can still pray to Jesus. Again, Christians often ask, new Christians often ask, when we're praying, there's, there's one God, three persons, but who do we pray to? We pray the Father, we pray the Son, we pray the Holy Spirit. And I just say, pray. That's the starting point, pray. If in your prayer you want to thank Jesus for dying on the cross, then talk to Jesus in your prayer. If in your prayer you want to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, then talk to the Spirit in your prayer. And when you pray, go knowing that you're praying to your Heavenly Father. How's that for my answer? Pray. You go to the Father, but does Jesus still make intercession for us? Of course he does. He always lives to make intercession for us. The point here is that because of Jesus' work on the cross that opened the door for us to go directly into the presence of God, and because the Spirit is within asking in our weakness, we actually go into the very presence of God the Father to ask, which is, again, something that is difficult for us to imagine and to get our minds around, that we're entering into the presence of Almighty God. That was maybe why it landed on me so much this morning when I was praying, and I thought to myself, really? Then to realize I am in the presence of God. And he's called me to ask. So I have to understand where I am. I'm before God in Christ. With the Spirit's help. Go to the Father. And then Jesus said, go in my name. That's the heart of what Jesus is saying here about how to ask. In my name. It's like saying, Father, here I am. Father, here we are. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we're here by his merits. When I open my mouth to pray, when you open your mouth to pray, when we gather like this to pray, were you conscious of the fact that we are here by the merits of Christ. Jesus Christ died for our sins. Sin is serious. Sin will separate a human being from God eternally. Here's the connection between prayer and salvation. Jesus died on the cross to, rem- to pay the penalty for our sin, to remove our sin so we can be reconciled to God and be saved in the same way that same death removed the sin barrier so we can pray the way we pray is the exact same way we're saved through the death of Jesus Christ for our sins on the cross and he was raised from the dead which verified his cross as removing our sins which is the basis of our new life and the gift of the Spirit, which is His righteousness being granted to us. 
So we're coming in prayer. We say, in Jesus' name, we're saying, I'm praying by the merits of Jesus. I'm here because of Jesus. And then we're saying to the Father, Father, we're here in, in the name of your Son, Jesus, which means He sent us to ask. I'm praying this morning, you're praying this morning because Jesus commanded us to go pray to his Father in his name. We are his servants. We're praying in Jesus' name because Jesus sponsors us. Have you ever gotten in somewhere on somebody else's name? I've done it and I love it. I've been to a handful of nice events and I show up and I throw somebody's name out there. It kind of makes you feel a little bit like you know somebody. Father, I'm here under the sponsorship of your son. We're praying in your name. When we do that, we're also asking for his purposes, not our own. These are not selfish requests that we're making. We're not making requests to spend them on our own pleasures. James warned against that. In fact, James says that's the reason your prayers aren't answered. When you come in Jesus' name, when we come in his name, we're asking for his will to be done. We're asking for his kingdom to come. We're asking for the fame of Jesus Christ to be spread throughout the world in the lives of people. That's in his name. When we're praying in his name, we're asking in faith. We say, I'm praying because I believe in Jesus. I'm praying because I abide in Christ. We're praying in Jesus' name means there's an awe and there's a respect and there's a humility, and there is great care. There is great care that comes with uttering, invoking the name of Jesus in prayer. Great care. In fact, to just realize that when you pray, you're praying in, in, you're praying in Jesus' name, it actually stops you from asking for stuff that's all about you and causes you to want to turn everything to His glory, even when it includes you. It's awe and respect and humility and great care, but rightfully understood, there's joy, and there's confidence, and there's anticipation. Why? Because we're invoking the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as the basis for which we're asking. This is the way that we ask in this day. Are, are you sensing do you have a sense with me of the partnership nature of this, of what's going on? Think of it. We're entering in by faith into something that God has ordained to happen. We're entering in by faith into something that God has ordained to be. And that is the Father granting the asks that we ask in the name of His Son by his merit for his purposes. So I'm hoping that these words in Jesus' name will never again mindlessly flow from our lips. I'm hoping this, these words in Jesus' name will never again be a mantra, be a formula that we throw up in hopes that we'll get what we need and what we want. May this phrase, 
the name of Jesus Christ. May, may it capture us and engage us at the deepest level as we understand what's going on here, who He is, what He has done, what God has called us to, what has been ordained. It would capture us at the deepest level of our souls that when we ask, it would be for Him and Him alone. He would be the basis, the motivation, and the guide for everything we ask. Third, and finally, the reasons to ask. Jesus in these passages, in this passage, gives us three, and we're going to look at a couple of other passages as well in John 14 and 15. He gives us three reasons to ask. Fruit, glory, and joy. He said in John chapter 14, this is one of, the, one of those other passages that is so mind-boggling. John chapter 14, verse 12. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do for greater works than these he will do. What? Were you paying attention to that? Did that not stun you just now? Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do. Because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now what Jesus is saying there is that the ask is connected to greater works. What are the greater works? Jesus is, the best we can understand this, it's, it, Jesus is saying that he did great works on earth, but because he's going to the Father, he's going to send his spirit to the church, and the church is going to ask and pray. And when God answers the prayers of the church, it will be for his work so that the church will actually be doing greater continued works than Jesus did. Ah, wow. They're the ongoing works that the Spirit of God is producing in this day through the church in the world as the church is abiding in Christ and asking. He said in chapter 15, verse 7, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall, done, it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He has connected asking with bearing fruit. The fruit is the work of God through the church and the world. So what are we asking for? The reason we're asking is for God to do his work through us in this world. The second Word, reason, is glory. We're asking for God to do His work, greater works, through the Spirit, through the church, in the world, for His glory. John 14, 13, this is what Jesus said. My Father is glorified in the Son. He says, as you bear fruit, the Father will be glorified. We are asking ultimately for God's glory. This is why we exist. It slows me down. It slows me down when I start thinking about God's glory. Maybe I'm out walking and I'm praying and I'm praying about the church and I'm praying about people and I'm praying about my own life and I just start, just start spitting requests out and then I remember, whoa, Scott, all of this is for the glory of God. And sometimes even when I get stumped and I don't know what to ask for, I can always pull back drop back and say, this is what I know to pray for, the glory of God. Father, what will you do to get glory in this situation? It is that for which I'm praying. This is why this congregation is here. Can we remind ourselves of one of the most basic things we can know as a Christian and as a church? 
We exist for the glory of God. It's foundational, it's fundamental, it's real, it's powerful. It's, it's, it's shaping, it's transforming. We exist for the glory of God. Prayer exists for the glory of God. The great promise that whatever we ask He will grant is for the glory of God. And when this consumes us, when, when our minds are transformed this way and the affections are stirred by this, it really does change what, how we ask and what we pray for. And then he says we, can pray, for, we, we pray for our joy. We, what do we pray for? We pray for the work of God, we pray for the glory of God, and we pray for our own joy. Verse 24 of our text today. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Now's the time, this is the day, to ask that your joy may be full. It's acceptable. It really is acceptable to pray for your joy. When? Your joy is found in God. When your joy is found in God being glorified, then it is perfectly acceptable to pray for your joy. Your joy will not be found in having all of your selfish pleasures met. Do we not understand by now that the, the, the path of self-pleasure of self-lordship, of self-idolatry leads to death, exhaustion, emptiness. The world is full of wreckage because of that. Do we not understand right now that joy is not to be found there. It is to be found in God and in His glory. And when you're seeking God's glory, then you can pray for your own joy. Joy is losing ourselves in the glory and the purposes of God. Joy is participating in the work of God in this world. And we can ask for that. We should ask for that, that our joy may be full. So in this day, now the day of the Spirit, in this way, in the name of Jesus, for these reasons, God's work, God's glory, and our joy, we are to ask. In closing, we still have not answered a very, very important question. We still have not addressed a very important phrase. And I was you, you, kind of maybe hoping we'd get out without me having to do it. Not really. I'm, I'm excited to answer the, the question. He said, and here's the, the question is, what do we do with what he said? Whatever you ask, and then... Six times in this discourse that I counted, six times. Whatever you ask, number one, he will do it. Number two, chapter 16, you will receive. Number three, chapter 14, this I will do. Again in chapter 14, I will do it. In chapter 15, it will be done. In chapter, six, chapter 15, again, he will give it to you. What do you do with that? What do you do with that bold statement that whatever you ask, he'll do it? The whatever ask part. Well, let me ask you. When you're abiding in Christ, when Christ's word is abiding in you and in me, in us, when we're really seeking after God's glory, when we are pursuing God's will with our whole being, when it's God's purposes in this world that consume us, 
for our families, our children, our friends, our schools, our jobs, our world, when it's God's glory and God's purposes that are, that are consuming us, when we are being conformed to the image of Christ, when our lives are consecrated to Christ, when the helper, the Holy Spirit is in us, when Jesus Christ is Lord, when we've lost our lives in Him, when we're asking in His name, here's the question, what will we ask for? It seems to me when that describes us, we will ask for the things that God can't answer. We will ask for the things that, things that God wants to give to us when we are abiding in Christ so deeply. But that second part, he will do it. It will be done. You will receive. What do we do with that? Here's what I do with it. I say, we say, it's true. He will answer. And he will do far greater and infinitely beyond all that we could ask or think. He's doing it. He is doing more than we've prayed for. He is doing more than we've sought for. Did we start out ourselves asking for a Savior? Did we start out in ourselves asking for the Spirit to live within? Did we start out in ourselves asking to be counted among the people of God who will be brought into the eternal joy and glory that is to come? He is answering our prayers. We may not see the answer. I take great comfort and I don't I'm, I'm not just trying to justify what I don't see. I take great comfort in knowing that I'm praying for things today that I will not see, and I am fine with that. I will see them in heaven. If I don't see them now, it's okay. I'm asking. We may not see it. We may not, we, we may not understand that what is happening now is actually a part of the answer. In other words, not only may, may we not see it in this life, but it may be happening before us, and we may not even recognize it. But we rest assured, we ask, because He grants. He has ordained it to be so. We ask by faith and not by sight. Father in heaven, we pray 